Well, good morning, huh? Yeah, we just have a little bit of time to be together. Thanks for letting me be here. And I'm about three hours and 20 minutes from here is where I live in Pennsylvania. So I'm just glad I got to join you guys. I got a couple emails and I pulled you out of a stack and said, I'm coming. So uh, I'm glad I'm glad to be here. Uh, I just want to encourage your hearts. The gospel's amazing. It's 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 intended to be life changing. It's it's not the gospel's not just something that you you believe and then you do a bunch of stuff for God. It's actually something you become. You become something. You become a son. You become forgiven. You become righteous in the sight of God. And and you. These aren't proud terms. Sometimes I don't, I don't know why this is so in my heart this morning, but I, just bear with me. I, I feel like some of these things we feel like we have to say are a form of false humility. We're denying the truth of what he paid for. It, it's all right to believe you're forgiven. It's all right to believe your life is worth the blood of Jesus Christ. To say your life doesn't matter is an absolute lie. He wouldn't pay such a high price if you didn't have great value to him. These, these words aren't high-minded. They aren't haughty. They're not proud words. They're, they're actually words of humility because humility receives. Pride resists. When he says he loves you through the cross of his son to try to deny his love is actually a form of pride. To actually talk yourself down to lift him up is not his intention. He sits you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He made you one with him. That's just amazing. So, so I just feel impressed to shout that out from the beginning. Please don't get caught in language that we all feel like we've been taught by and trained by and feel like we need to say because it's a form of humility if it doesn't promote righteousness in the transformation of life. The gospel is all about becoming brand new. You put off the old so you can put on the new. If you don't put off the old, you'll never put on the new. If you don't see yourself through what he's done and what he's accomplished, you'll never see yourself clearly for the truth. It's just very important stuff, people. We've been trained. We've really been trained by a lie. We've been homeschooled in the wrong home. We've been taught by the wisdom of men. We've been trained up in the spirit of this age. And the way that seems right to a man has been our wisdom. Like somebody does you wrong, you feel done wrong. Well, then God's the most feel done wrong there is. But he's not. He's love and he's amazing. And while we were yet sinners, he sent his son. God's not hurt and heartbroken and offended and angry and frustrated. He's amazing. He's the God of all hope. Why? Because he's love. And there's something about love we have to understand. Love doesn't seek its own. Love isn't self-centered. Love doesn't seek its own. Love seeks the highest benefit of what it beholds and what it loves. We all say, I love you, but we're just as well hurt by one another. We're just as well frustrated with one another. What starts out with, I love you, ends sometimes in bitter separations. It proves that we don't understand love in the first place. We never knew what love was when we said it. It was a feeling. It was a benefit. It was something I needed in the moment. It was something that suited me, satisfied me, maybe made me stable. But it wasn't something I gave myself to. It was something I was receiving. It's not love at all. God says, I love you. He said it from the beginning when he made men and he never changed his mind. No matter where man has been, no matter what man has done, for generations, man have sought themselves, their own gain, their own prestige, their own name. And yet God remains the same. Man has never had the power to change who God is. That's why he's changing who men are. Please don't just serve him from a distance. Don't pay homage to him. Don't just come and enjoy something like this because that was really good. 
That was really good. Oh, and I so enjoyed you leading that with all your heart. Like all your heart. I was blessed by the whole thing. I'm still trying to calm down from that. I just didn't know I'd come in these little valleys of Stewart's draft, wherever that was. But I found it. It's on the map. I, I made my way here. I'm just hoping I can get home from here. But I made it. Who would have ever thought? I mean, just, just God has people tucked everywhere and talents and gifts and hearts toward him. Man, let's not miss this moment, guys. We're in this is our moment. We're in this moment. Life is a wisp and a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Come on. You've got this little window called life. It's a gift from God. It's not a dread. It's not a curse. It's a gift. Don't miss your moment. Today is not the day, never was the day, to have an attitude, issues, frustration, unresolved conflicts. Today's the day to walk in Him and live by the Spirit and make peace and show mercy and walk in love. I promise you. You say, well, nobody else, stop. I'm not talking about nobody else. I'm talking about you. Yeah, but you don't know what. Now, stop. That yell butt thing, it's not the Lord. Don't let it govern your life. Come on, I know I'm being a little aggressive right now. It's probably on purpose. People say, well, I wouldn't be where I was if it wasn't for... If it wasn't for what? Well, if it wasn't for... And then we have a reason. And all of a sudden, we have a justification for where we're at, but where we're at doesn't look like Him. Why would I let one person decide who I am if His name isn't Jesus? Please don't be tricked in this hour. Please don't be deceived. You've got one little life. You've got one little window called life. It's a gift. Don't spend it on animosity and rightness and unresolved conflict. Don't spend it on yourself. Don't spend it on self-centered gain. Please don't put someone in your life and expect them to meet your need and scratch your itch. No one on the earth has the job description of meeting your needs. Don't reduce them to your servant. Everybody on the earth has the job description to love because God made man in his image and God is love. The whole reason men are on the planet, according to the word of God, is so we can love. Not be loved, be love. Come on, the cross doesn't finish and isn't fulfilled when a man prays a prayer to go to heaven. Receiving the love of God is just the beginning. Becoming that love and the expression of that love is called the body of Christ. Are you with me? 1 Timothy 1.5, the goal of our instruction is love. We're heading there. we got to go there. we got to put off these old things. Come on, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. I, 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 I've just seen us, I've seen us say all the right things, sing all the right things, and do all the right things, but not become all the right things. And all of a sudden, we're riding high. We're living for good circumstances. We're knocking on wood and hoping everything stays cool. And we're hoping nobody does us wrong. Why? Because if they do us wrong, we'll live done wrong. And all of a sudden, you're no better than how it's going instead of who he is inside of you. And all of a sudden, how it's going is our whole agenda. And even when we pray, it's just for things to go better instead of us to become more like he is. Are you with me? You be very careful in this hour. I promise you, time is flying. Who knows time's flying? I'm 57. I see a lot of people older than me. I see a lot of people younger. Time is flying. I can't even relate to 57. I don't even know where time went. I've been saved 24 years. It feels like just a couple days ago to me. And I'm having the time of my life. And ain't nobody can do anything about this right here. <laughs> don't, don't think I haven't experienced life in 24 years. 
Don't think everybody's done everything perfect and never had no trials. <laughs> you see this passion in me? It's because I've been through fire and he's the Lord. The passion isn't because everything is so great. The passion is because he is who he says he is. Yeah, so I don't need to read Shadrach anymore. I got my own stories. Can you imagine what they were like coming out of that fiery furnace? In an Old Testament story, them boys had no love for their own lives. They had a greater love for him. And they said, King, you can burn us, fry us, cook us, turn us crispy bacon. It don't matter. Because we ain't bound to you. You're not God. And whether we live, whether we die, you aren't the Lord. We will not worship your image. They were not afraid of death. The Christian is never to fear death. I found it in Hebrews 2. I read the Bible. It's there. It says, Jesus Christ is the end of the bondage of the fear of death, who we all were held bondage and captive by our whole lives. Come on, most of the time we get a bad diagnosis, the only reason we pray is because of fear. We're living for today, not that day. We're living for now. We're trying to get by. we got to be careful. This gospel is not a survival kit. It's the answer of a brand new life. When you get betrayed, you can't afford to live betrayed because you haven't been betrayed by him. You got to let him matter more. You can't let a thing matter more than what matters most. Living your life in Christ is where you live from. Christ formed in you is the biggest deal of all. Walking in love and making peace and showing mercy is a big deal to the Christian life. You say, well, I'm not going to be no pushover. Nobody's going to make me their doormat. Jesus wasn't a doormat. He was the living epistle of love and he expressed what the Father looks like in a body. And he called us his body. Oh my goodness. So we never just go to church. We're not just going to church. We are her. And the reason we assemble ourselves together is to stir one another in love and good works. Why? Because in a minute we're going to leave. We just come here now and then, but we live there. So there's a great marriage between coming and going. And the reason we come now is just keep that pot stirred. Stay focused. Don't nobody get deceived. Don't internalize things and take things personal unless it's the love of God and the gospel. You don't say, well, but it's been a hard week, brother. Stop. Don't do that to yourself. Don't find a reason to be less than who he is inside of you. You're called to shine. He said, you're the light of the world. Right here in Stuart's draft, man. Jesus is looking down. He said, you are the light of the world. I can show you that right in your Bible. He says, you are the light of the world. So you let your light so shine before men. So if you were the devil, if you were the enemy, what would your strategy be? Do whatever you can do to keep the light from shining. Let them go to church, but don't let them shine. Let them sing the right songs, but don't let them shine. Let them teach the Bible. Let them go on a mission trip. Let them feed the poor. Just make sure they don't shine in their personal lives, on their jobs, and in their families. Because if I can get them religious and let them, let them, what they do for God, take the place of knowing God and becoming like God, anything she's winning. Anything that affects the light in your life is deception. And the whole goal of the enemy is keep you from shining once the light's lit. And the Bible says no one lights a lamp and then puts a basket over it. A basket could be a wrong attitude. A basket could be a wrong response to something that wasn't right. A basket could be just living anything less than who he is inside of you. That's the basket. Doesn't mean you're ashamed of him. It might mean you don't understand or you took account of a wrongdoing. You know what I found in my Bible? Love. 
never takes an account of a suffered wrong, then why do we have so many hang-ups and issues and memories and stories as if it happened yesterday? 90-some percent of our pastoral counseling is people struggling with people. Am I right or am I wrong? Pastor? People struggling with people. People leaving churches, people can't, don't want to talk to, can't work with, how come them, I don't like. People say, well, don't look at me. Well, they started, well, they shouldn't, well, I don't know, well, how come? Here's the most amazing thing. You never see Jesus doing that one time. He never taught us that. So where did we learn it? He's the teacher. He said, don't let one, anyone be your teacher. you got one teacher. He's the Christ. If we didn't learn it from him, where would we learn it? Homeschooled in the wrong home. <laughs> by sheer nature and instinct, by the fall of man, every one of us grew up self-centered. Everyone, to the core, self-centered. From little, way little, from little, way little. Eh, no, mine, eh. Believe me, I love children. They're precious, but they're all going to need born again. Yeah, yeah, they're going to need born again. I love children. But the truth is this. We've made born again a prayer that takes me to heaven instead of heaven coming back into me. Putting off the old and putting on the new. Putting off that old man and his deeds. Getting renewed in the spirit of your mind. Putting on that new man in Christ. Renewed in knowledge according to the image of the living God. Colossians 3.10. It's all there. I quoted Ephesians as well. I quoted two other scriptures too. They're in there. I read them. Says your life's not your own. You can't be a Christian for you. If you're a Christian for your own well-being, you're probably discouraged because of life. Do you know how many discouraged people go to church? Because we're letting life speak louder than truth and we don't understand why he's in us. We think it's to get by. We think it's to catch a blessing, provision, protection, breakthrough. Let your light so shine. When you're done wrong... It's the greatest time to shine. When you're treated unfair, it's the greatest hour to shine. Jesus came and said, he said it, what did he say? Like six times in Matthew 5, he said, you say, but I say. You say, but I say. What's he trying to say? You ain't saying what I'm saying. Come on, this ain't rocket science. This is Jesus, the living truth, the word made flesh, telling us like it is, and we weren't trained that way. And when he's speaking, they're thinking, the guy's cuckoo. Who is he? Well, well, let's just kill him. Put him on a cross. (laughs) Jesus, the best of the best. Ain't nobody better. And they were so blind by life that they thought they did right by killing him. And he was the best. There ever will be. And they couldn't see the best. Because he didn't talk and think like they did. And they had their own motives and their own agendas and their own wills. Why? Because of the fall of man. And truth is standing right in front of them. And they can't see him. Well, you better be careful. We aren't them today. You be real careful you ain't holding on to your rights. And at the same time saying you're a Christian who is supposed to have denied himself to pick up his cross and follow. So if you denied yourself, how do you have so many rights? 
Well, they said, well, he said, well, if God was sitting up there, he said it and she said it. Come on. If you can't put your language in the mouth of the Lord and make it fit, then it shouldn't be in your mouth. Could you see Jesus and the Father sitting in heaven in the right hand and watching the earth? And, and, and uh, is, is there anybody named Sandy in here? Sandra, Sandy, Sandra. Good, I picked one. There ain't nobody here. I was going to say, oh, she is? Oh, no. I'm not talking about you, okay? I thought, Lord, that's awesome. We nailed it. But she's back there. <laughs> this is not you. <laughs> Could you picture the Lord sitting there and he's looking down at Sandra and he's like, doesn't she just bother you sometimes? <laughs> See, this is so not you. This is so not you. She goes, don't she just bother you? Well, I don't know. Just something about her mannerism sometimes and... And you know how the Holy Spirit gave her them convictions the other day? She didn't even follow it. I mean, she just acted like she didn't hear it. But you know she heard it. We, all, we know all things. She, she heard it. But she just acts like she doesn't really care. But then look at her. She goes to church, dresses all up. Jesus. I don't know. I've just had about enough of Sandra. I don't even know where we stand anymore because her heart's really not for us. She's, I'm just bothered by her. Yeah, I know. I wish I wouldn't have really shed my blood for her. It's... She's just not on page. I mean, I mean, Scripture says itself, right? We are Scripture, right? Like, you're either for me or against me, gather to me or scatter. I think Sandy's out. I don't think she's in. <laughs> the Bible teaches where sin is abounding, grace is coming in a greater measure to pull out and rescue from sin. Not to empower sin, to save from sin. He's not, dis- he's not disgusted. He's not going, oh, you bum. Oh, could, could you picture Jesus? Could you picture Jesus just dropping the cross saying, I've had enough? <laughs> I've had enough. People are just driving me bananas, God. I do all these good things for them. And look, and every good thing has to have a catch to it. And I have to be a demon-possessed Samaritan or Belial living inside of me. I can never just be the Lord. I multiply their food. The only reason they come to seek me out is for another meal. They could care less about what I have to say. I've had enough of people. I'm tired of them beating on me, tired of them spitting on me. Ain't going on the cross. I'm done. If they didn't love us by now, they ain't going to never love us. I ain't taking another step. Here's a good one. Did you ever read this one in your Bible? Where Jesus is just hanging out in the Mount of Olives? Sitting up there on a rock at daylight. He's just a little heavy and bummed out. Peter comes walking up. What's the matter, Lord? I just ain't feeling it today. I think I need prayer. You need prayer? Yeah, everybody needs prayer, man. I just, I, people just throng me all day. They're so selfish in their motives. They're always critiquing everything I'm saying. I mean, God lets me hear their thoughts, and I wish He wouldn't sometime. Their thoughts ain't that good. <laughs> and, uh, I just ain't feeling it because today I'm going to go out there and the Lord's going to probably tell me to feed them again and heal their sick and none of them love me. I mean, they're just using me. They, they really don't care. They don't want to hear what I have to say. They just want to receive what I have to give. And I'm just a little bummed out today. I don't think, I don't even know if I'm going out there today. Oh, but Lord, don't, oh Lord me, you don't understand. <laughs> then John comes strolling in, you know. Hey, Lord, no, John. You're not laying on me today. I'm laying on you today. (laughs) Could you even picture this stuff? It's silly. It's foolish. 
But if he made you for his image and as he is, so are we in the world. Why are we okay in that arena? Why are our mindsets acceptable when they're in that camp? Why you thinking that is any less silly than him when he made you for his image and the things I do, you'll do if you believe. Just saying, I read this book and it's challenged my heart 24 years ago. And I thought, you know what? I'm never going to get trapped just going to church. I'm never going to let going to church take the place of knowing him. I'm going to pursue to be her, to be the church. Yeah? That's your privilege today, friend. I just came here to stir you up. I don't have much time. I just came to stir the pot a little. Think about who you are in him and who he is in you and why are you a Christian? Why do you come here to White Hill? Why are you a part of this family? I'll tell you why according to him. So you shine. So that you wake up every day and understand before the sun comes up that nobody owes you a thing so you're not going to be failed and disappointed and forlorn and discouraged and depressed. Nope. You're going to wake up to shine. And come hell or high water, whether you live or whether you die, you do it under the Lord. Because one day, one day, you're going to stand before him. It's, it's coming. That day's closer than it ever has been. One day, you're going to stand before him and you're going to be so glad you believed. Yay. Because you're going to believe something. You're going to believe your feelings. You're going to believe injustice. You're going to believe the darkness at your workplace and let it slowly infiltrate you. And next thing you know, your highest prayer is just praying for another job instead of walking in love and manifesting Jesus. Next thing you know, you're just praying for favor to find a new job because you can't stand your boss. Nobody could work for him. God knocked him off his high horse. And you're calling that prayer. No wonder you're still at that job. Because God won't answer those kind of prayers. Do you know that I hurt my wife terribly in our marriage for 13 years when we got married and I didn't know Jesus? And I, and I said, I said, you've told her you love her, right? I've said, I love you to my wife for 13 years. I didn't know what love was. I know you know better. I can see that in your eyes. No, I can. I see integrity in you too. You keep growing in that truth. You keep going after Jesus. Amen? Yeah. I was 13 years. Didn't know how to love my wife, but I said I love you. It was all about what I got from her. I needed her. I wanted her. It was for my sake. 13 years. Mean. Unthankful. Nothing was ever good enough. After a while, she just dried up. She just dried up. And she didn't want to be together no more. So I said, well, that's great. I've been feeling that way for a long time. And even, I don't know why I wasted 13 years with you anyway. That's how mean I was. You say, I can't even imagine you like that. I'm born again. I'm not the same man. I'm not a revised version. (laughs) I'm changed. I used to always have to get in the last word. I always had felt right. I always have to talk her way down that made me feel a little better because I was so empty inside. See, when you can't love... It's just a sign of how lost and empty you really are on the inside. Because if you can't love, then you need. There's no selfishness in love. There's no love in selfishness. 99% of the time we say, I love you, we're really saying, I need you. You benefit my life. It's true. I know that doesn't feel fun to people. 
feels nervous. Don't elbow your spouse or I'm surely talking to you. <laughs> I hope you didn't already and then your spouse elbowed you back when I said that. <laughs> See, I'm just glad you're both here. 13 years dried up. We dried up. 13 years. And I was boasting in that. I was excited. I, I went to a mirror. I was 33 years old. I remember looking in the mirror saying, Dan, you're not the most handsome cat on the planet, but somebody's going to need you. Somebody will be vulnerable. You can do this thing. You just get a new model. You just get new excitement in your life. So I bumped into a young girl that had a crush on me when I was a 18, 17, 8 year old. She was 11, 12. She had this crush on me, this little girl crush. I bumped into her. She's 25 now. I'm 33. She had that same look in her eye when we bumped into each other. She said, oh my gosh. And I thought, ooh. My wife's four, almost four years older than me. This girl's eight years younger. When I was 19 and my wife was 23, that sounded exciting. That's what we do to each other. I thought, this is a woman. Now I'm 33, 25 sounded exciting. So I figured this ain't going to be no pain or sweat off my back. I'm going to make this happen. So I was making plans. I go to work. I'm lost. You understand, Tony? I'm lost. I go to work. I'm living in pride. I'm empty. I'm selfish. I go to work and Jesus comes to work that night when I was ready to make terrible decisions. Spoke to Mark Because on that day, here's what's funny, Pastor. I would have told you I was a Christian because I grew up in church. There was not one thing Christ-like about me. Christianity is not church attendance. It's Christ-likeness. Christianity is not church attendance. Oh, and let's get this straight, and you can hate me if you want, but don't. Christianity isn't kneeling at an altar one day and praying a prayer to let him in your heart so your name gets written in the book of life so you know if you hit a tree on the way home from church, you're going to heaven. Christianity is giving your life to him so who he is can come inside of you and live through you. That's Christianity. Listen, everything else we made it, it's not in the book. The goal of Christianity is not you praying a prayer to get a catch net when you die. The goal of your prayer is to give back what was never yours so who he is and what he created you to be can live through you and make an impact and write a legacy for all time. That's Christianity. We are not escaping. We don't have a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. We have a life to live in Christ Jesus. Because if you don't teach the gospel clear, people pray that prayer and life still eats their lunch. They live up and down. And it's unscriptural for a Christian to live that way. I'm not being mean. I'm being real. I'm, I'm, why are you a Christian? Why? Because I gave my life to him. Heaven wasn't even my incentive. Christ in me is my incentive. Dying to the old man so I could live to something new and fresh and amazing. To be able to look at my wife and not be self-centered and actually love her and give my life to her. Because it's better to give than receive. And now I get it. Yeah? yeah. No matter what kind of day she's having. I'm having a good one. <laughs> Why? Because I understand who I am now. And when I woke up, nobody owed me a thing. Yeah. Why? Because I found myself in him. Right. Wouldn't that be an amazing marriage right there? Yeah. You know how many spouses, you've counseled it, you've counseled it, how many spouses are being dictated by their spouse and where their spouse is and where their spouse isn't? Just two weeks, just two weeks of something out of character and the other spouse is already tense, falling apart, or broken. You say, well, brother, you don't understand. Well, I don't have your story, but you don't have mine. After I got saved, my wife went into eight years of wrong thinking. Eight years. You say, eight years? 
time doesn't, truth and time. Truth doesn't know time. Wonder if God put a time on you. Five years I've been convicting now. If they didn't change by now, they ain't gonna change. I'm done convicting now. Truth doesn't know time. Eight years, my wife. She wouldn't even come to church. I was a full-time pastor. She said she was she was she was a basket case. She said she was worthless. People just said hi to her because she was my wife. You're called. I'm not called. Everybody loves you. I'm just with you. And it got so bad. And I'd look at her and I'd tell her the truth and she'd look at me with a blank stare and say, you're supposed to tell me that. It's the right answer, but it doesn't mean it's true. And I loved her and had no ability to hit it home. So I didn't preach at her. I did this. Just believed for her and kept living in the light and walking in love. But when I came to church, nobody could tell my wife was that way. You meet me at the gas pump. I wasn't walking around wearing the face of an eight-year problem. I never thought I had to call anybody for counsel or prayer. Why? I was doing amazing the whole time. Why? I didn't wake up for her to love me. I woke up to be like him. So I guess now I can really get that prayer answered. I got a real opportunity. That sure beats, well, you're putting more pressure on me. Do you know how much I have on my plate? Well, you're my wife. You're supposed to be my helpmate. How can I do it without you? You're just working for the devil. You need to get right with God. You need to break through. You need to come. (laughs) See, don't tell me I don't get this. I've been in this. That's why I'm a madman. (laughs) You see how intense I am? Because this isn't my doctrine. It's not my theology. It's not what I was trained to orically convey. Yes. It's what I walked through and what I lived. At the same time, my children springing off her weakness said, well, you know, dad is a little extreme. Everything's <laughs> Jesus. Probably not the reality. So they decided to do their things at the same time. So now I got a child doing drugs. I got a daughter that put the gospel on the shelf to pursue her own thing that she had never pursued in her whole life. And now she's 18 and has never pursued this in her whole life. Now she's got her gospels on the shelf. She's going after something totally out of bounds. And my son's out doing drugs. And it's like my whole family fell apart. It's like, man, I can't even steward my family. But that's not the case. What the thing is that people have wills and they make decisions and they follow desires. My place is to stand firm and not compromise truth. Not be a hard head, not preach at my kids, not try to whip them in shape, walk in love, show mercy, and be a peacemaker. And not put my life on their shoulders and make them my reason and my excuse for not looking like Jesus. Well, how would you be if you lived in my home? If you had my wife and two kids, you'd probably be a wreck too, brother. I'm not going to do that to nobody because that's to make them greater than the Spirit of God in me. I hope you're getting this. So in that season when they're all running wild, I'm pumping gas, you'd have no idea. I got so much joy in me, it's ridiculous. It's got to spill on somebody. (laughs) You ain't going to look at my countenance and say, whoa, he's going through trouble. His days are seeing trouble. Are you kidding me? I have blessing. I'm born again. The Spirit of God lives in me. My countenance isn't contingent on my wife and children. It's contingent on the faithfulness of God. Yeah? That way I won't have no idolatries in my life, letting something matter more than what matters most. 
Man, if I was a product of what I was going through, I'm in trouble. But if I'm a product of what he went through, I'm good. Well, you know, today, long story short, today, my wife is doing amazing. She's so spiritually solid. She has a heart of gold and she will lay down her life to love and pray for anyone. And she sees herself for who she is in Jesus. Both my children are doing amazing, married to incredible Christian spouses. And my whole family is doing amazing. My son wrote me a handwritten note and mailed it to my house. Mailed it. Snail mailed it. I didn't even know my boy knew to use a stamp. I didn't even know. I didn't even know he knew what a stamp was. But I got this letter. I opened up. It was from my son. Dad, I just want to tell you how thankful I am that you're my dad. There was a season, a couple year season where he avoided me, where he didn't even want to be around me, where he didn't talk to me. And I had no idea where he was. And I didn't go searching. I just stayed in Jesus and I hardly ever prayed for him unless Holy Spirit said, speak about your son right now. Pray this, pray that. I didn't pray. I see parents get distraught, fall apart. And when one's out, they're out. And you say, well, it's because I love them. No, it's because you're finding your identity through your children. And you're fearing you failed as a parent and you're carrying that weight. Come on, I'm just bringing it right now. I know my life way better than you do. I know my life. You know your life way better than I know your life. And I know how I've parented my children. And I know exactly what's going on right now. And I ain't being arrogant and I ain't in denial. But I won't be thrown into unbelief. So you just close the door. You lay claim to things in God. And you walk out that door and you keep on living productive. And you don't let where they're not decide where you are. Or you're deceived. Because one day, two years, well, it was eight long years, but two years of not even talking to my boy, he knocked on the door one day. I'm in cannon. I'm jarring. I'm canning tomatoes. I got the pressure canner. I got 40, 40, I mean, prize fair tomatoes, like the, the, the county fair prize tomatoes, because my, my yard is covenant. And I, I, I'm not kidding you. I have 41 pound tomatoes on my table. I pulled out four that weighed two pounds. And I'm jarring tomatoes. I'm having a good time. I'm in the land of Canaan. We got the giant slayed, the little canners rattling. I got worship playing. Woohoo! And my door goes, do, 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 do. It's my son who I haven't seen his face for a long time. And I open the door and he's standing against my wall, trembling. He's 20, 123 pounds, skin and bone, white complected, pale, looks sick, looks sick, drug life. Told me he had nothing. He was a, and, and, and boy, that's when you know if you know Jesus, see, when he knocks. Because what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. Because a lot of people open that door and go, what the blank are you doing on the porch? You don't have the courtesy to acknowledge, communicate. You want to live in secret. And now you're back against the wall. You're broken. You want to knock on my door. How dare you? Do you even know what you've done to the heart of your mother? Do you know the hell and pain you've caused in this house? Hello? Oh, that's a given because all your friends feel the same way and they're telling you how hurt they'd be if they were in your shoes and they're your support system to stay messed up. Because everybody wants to be relatable. Yeah? Don't let a little one distract you, please. The book of Acts, there was a lot of little ones. They was hanging on their mamas. Don't ever let a little one get a little thicker skin than a little one distracting you. All right? 
Well, she should take him out. Just be okay. He's a little guy. He'll be fine. Don't let him distract you. All right? So I looked at my boy, and I said, this love and compassion flooded me. I didn't have to think about it. I saw his face, and I said, hey, buddy, it's so good to see you. He's lost. I said, of course you can come in. He said, can I hug you? I said, come here. He's hugged me. He said, I don't know what to say. I said, well, then I'll start. And I, I just took his shoulders and I said, son, it's so good to see you. I said, do you understand that I'm not one bit disappointed with you and I'm not angry at you? He said, I don't know how that can be possible. I said, son, I don't know how you think it is possible if I'm walking in love. I said, what do you owe me? I said, son, if I cry a tear, I cry for you because you're so much more than what you're living. I don't cry for me. And he said, he told his mama later, he said, mom, I heard dad preach on love my whole young life. And I see how he lives and I see all that. But it never hit home till that day on the porch when he had every reason to be disappointed with me. And all he could do was tell me how much he loved me and how awesome it was to see me. She said, he said, mom, that was life changing. Do you know what the gospel says? You don't love God first. He first loved you and you got to see that he first loved you. People that have a conviction of the cross and believe Jesus is real but don't really see the first love, they feel indebted to God and they feel like they owe God. That's why a lot of people are Christians because they feel like they owe God something. Now, I see his first love. So he got restored. He wrote me a letter. He said, Dad, you've given me the best gift a dad could ever give a son. You showed me what Jesus looks like in a man in the midst of it all. I know what me, sis, and mom put you in the middle of, and you never budged or changed. Dad, thank you for the greatest gift. (laughs) You see what's wrong with me? I got to wrap up. What I wanted to end with was my wife. I was in the middle of two stories. I got stories going. So let's just tie it up quick, and I'll, and I'll, I'll leave you all go home. My wife prayed. She was a Christian girl. She took the kids to church. I never went. For 13 years, but she dried up. She didn't have this revelation. She would go to a home group, bless their hearts. They weren't trying to do wrong. They just didn't understand. And a lot of home groups and people do this because we say it's compassion. No, it's sympathy. It's empathy. That'll never change a life. Before the home group would end, I found all this out. She would talk to me about this and, and they'd say, Kim, before we leave, Kim, how's things at home? Any changes? And she'd go, right? Just start trembling her lip. And they'd say, oh, honey. And they'd all come around. She'd just cry. Oh, Lord. Lord, it it has to be so challenging to live with a man like that, God. God, would you give her comfort and peace? And, And all they're trying to do is find a surface feeling of okay for the moment. And then when they do pray for me, they're so disgusted by me because she's so sweet that they can't even pray for me from love. They pray for me from disdain. You ever see this before? Like you got the sister Sally comes to church and she's the sweetest thing that ever lived. And she's just Jesus. Like the flowers aren't even in season and they bloom. She walks by, they just bloom. (laughs) And she just loves the Lord. Sally's amazing. It just seems like those Sallys have husbands that don't want a thing to do with the Lord. And that irritates us as people. And we're like, why does that girl have to be stuck? Why do these guys always end up in? How come? How does God, you need to rock his life. And you think that's prayer. No, that's you venting. 
See, nobody would kneel to my wife and say, listen, Kim, I can't imagine some of the pressures you're under right now, but look, no matter how he is, how insensitive, your identity and your, your value doesn't revolve around your husband. Honey, he's lost. You can't let that infringe over on you and just live suffering every day while you're in the Lord. No, no, no. You're no less anointed, no less called, no less a woman of God, and no less valuable, no matter what your husband's saying and doing. And you need to understand that. And all of a sudden you're giving her truth and you're changing her perspective so she's no longer broken by a man. You get what I'm saying? That's called pastoring. That's called just godly wisdom. But when you just embrace her and say, oh, I can't believe you have to put, oh God, would you bring peace and comfort? Would you comfort? And now she's really crying. Why is she really crying? Because as you're praying, she's just aware of how bad it is. And you think, oh, look at her crying. God's really moving. So for 13 years, she prayed for me. For 13 years. At the end of those 13 years, when she gave up on the marriage, she told me this. She went in the bedroom, analytical. She went in the bedroom and said, I'm done with that. That's after I said, well, I'm glad I wasted 13 years with you. Blah, blah, blah. And I just said, your family thinks you're nuts anyway. You're loco, girl. You're crazy and your whole family knows it. I married a goofy girl. And I was just being brutally mean on the back porch. She, I saw her harden herself. She refused to cry. She went in the bedroom and she said, that's it, I am not crying. One more tear for that man. I'm done with that man. And then she looked at the ceiling and she said, and I'm done with you. She said, I prayed to you for 13 years. 13 years and you've done nothing. You've allowed me and these children to suffer through hell. I think he's worse. You've done nothing. I don't need you either. That was her words. Sure makes sense to a hurting person. Sure makes sense to a person that has pain in their life when they hear that story. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. God hasn't... Yeah. I get born again. She finds out I'm born again. She's furious. I'm doing a quick thing of this. She's furious. She fights my salvation for seven weeks. She goes out of her way to break me so she could relieve her conscience and convictions. She was just trying to find weakness in me, some kind of blurb, bump, hiccup. And she would put me in situations to be the old Dan, and there was no old Dan. And I'm just weeks old in the Lord. She'd try me. She told me, Dan, I went 150 times on purpose. I tried to, to break you. She went out of her way to break my heart. Out of her way. Stretch your mind. She went out of her way. To break my heart. And there ain't no heart to break because he heals the brokenhearted. Now I have a perspective that keeps me all the days of my life. And I wake up for one reason. To be more like him. And you, friend, don't owe me a thing. So you can't possibly disappoint me. Because my hope isn't in you. That means we can finally have clear fellowship and open friendship. And I finally can see the value of who you are. So we can lock arms and run this race and be an army rising up. All of a sudden, we can't even get in each other's way. Yay. Seven weeks went by. She tried to break me, tried to break me, tried to break me. All that I know is I loved her for the first time in my life. I understood love. Seven weeks go by, she goes in the bathroom, she's doing her hair. She said she was going to go out and go on the town and she was going to have fun. She's doing her hair. And right with a curling brush in her hand, the Lord walks in the bathroom like he owns the place. <laughs> My wife is standing there. She said she went, because <gasps> he's in the bathroom, the one she yelled at. 
The six months before, she yelled at him in the bathroom and said, I'm done with you. He shows up. He speaks her name in her heart. Wasn't audible. She said it was just loud in her heart. Kim, why are, you, why are you so angry with that man? Can't you see? And she said when he said the word see, it was like somebody ripped something off her eyes. It was all the unforgiveness, unresolved conflict, the memories, the words, the demeaning, the bitter. She said she was just so vulnerable to the Lord when he did. said, can't you see? He said, that isn't even the man you're angry with. Now, this is my favorite part of the story. He said, that's not even the man you married. Watch what God said to her. I have made him a brand new man. (laughs) So guess what I am? (laughs) A brand new man. It's not up for debate. (laughs) She crashes to the floor. She's crying in a fetal position, undone. He hovered over, and this is the impression he gave her. He wanted to make resolve for that 13 years, that venting moment. Guess what he said to her? This is the most incredible revelation. Here I am for seven weeks. For the first time in my life, I just want to say I'm sorry to her. I just want to hold her and cry and say I can never make up for those 13 years, but I sure can be like Jesus wants me to be for the next however many. Would you give me the honor? Forgive me. I would love to love you like he does. I just wanted that chance, but I couldn't take it because she'd have clawed my eyes out. So I couldn't say anything because I wouldn't even have eyes. I'd be preaching to you like this unless Jesus did a real miracle. She's crying. He's hovering over and here's what the impression she got. Kim, it's true you prayed to me for 13 years, but you don't understand how you kept my hands tied from moving and ever answering your prayer. Kim, you never one time prayed for him because of mercy and because of love. You've only prayed because of hurt and pain. You were reduced to another hurting wife that prays. You never once felt mercy towards him because he was so lost. You never felt my love for him because he was so in darkness. You never cried for his state. You just only cried for yours. And I can never answer that prayer and empower you to stay there because that's not me. My wife went into hysterics. I'm out in the garden. I love the garden. I'm doing the garden. I'm doing the second round of beans. I'm blessing my ground, my beans. You are going to do amazing, little buddy. (laughs) You just might fill a whole jar yourself. I'm just having fun. I'm out in my yard. I'm just having fun. My wife, I hear the door slam. Boom. Here's my little wife. She's just a little tiny thing. She's running hard right at me. I thought, I was looking for a knife. (laughs) She's running right at me hard, crying her little eyes out. And I thought somebody called. I thought she got a phone call you never want again. That's what I thought. I thought it was a tragedy phone call. And she broke all them walls down and was running because somebody so important died. That's what I thought. But she's talking repetitious. I hear her saying one thing after another over and over. She's going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My wife is saying I'm sorry. I live like a bum for 13 years. I need to be so sorry. It would make a crazy talk show. She's a victim. I'm a villain. But when you go that route, everybody loses. 
Because you're all stereotyped for what you did, not what you can be. She's running, saying, I'm sorry, why? Because the gospel changes everything. The gospel got her eyes off of her and got her eyes on truth. And truth said, whoa, I haven't prayed purely. I haven't loved this man like Jesus would. I haven't laid down my life, carried my cross. I've become a direct product of his demise and we're both suffering. That's what the gospel did. She's trying to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, that bothered me. I'm like, why are you saying you're sorry? I'm sorry. Man, it'd be like you just hurting her for all these years. And then she comes around saying, I'm sorry. And you have a conviction. You're like, you're sorry. And next thing you know, your first fight is over who's more sorry. No. <laughs> no, because see, we don't have fights. I, I don't, 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 don't judge each other over this and don't get condemned. We don't have fights, my wife and I. For 24 years, you don't have, stop. You're not selling me that. It takes two to tango. You're not pulling me in. Hello? Takes two to tango. Takes one to pursue peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the tango people. We're not talking about a dance. My wife says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. She wraps around me and she's hugging. Her head's planted in my chest. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I'm going. Aah! Our whole garden was getting watered. It was, it was a messy scene. It was bad. So emotional. All this stuff going on and pent up for months and no communication. And all of a sudden, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm like. Aah! It was ugly for a moment. And I said, Kim, stop saying you're sorry. Why are you so sorry? You can't be sorry. I'm sorry. Do you understand? For the first time in my life, I know I love you, and I'm so sorry for never being the man Jesus created me to be. And she said, no, I'm sorry. I said, how can you possibly be sorry? She said, I am sorry for never loving you in prayer. And I went, she said, I've only ever prayed because I was hurt and in pain. And God said, I was another hurting wife that prayed. And he could not answer that prayer. And I'm like, you're so wise. I'm looking up at the sky. She's hugging me. And all of a sudden it hit me. I mean, I'm seven weeks old in the Lord. I didn't know this was all happening. I said, can I renew my wedding vow to you? She said, what? She said, do you mean there's hope for our marriage? I said, honey, for the first time, I'm ready to be married. And I'm ready to be your husband. Can I renew my vow? I didn't even know what my vow was. <laughs> she said, okay. And this is what came out of my heart. You owe me nothing in this marriage but to receive the love of God from me. And as long as I draw breath on this earth, I will serve you in his unfailing love. She went, okay. (laughs) And I just held her. And for 24 years, I've had that honor. Through eight years of total chaos on her end, wiped out, emotional breakdown, hour-long seizure, coma, brain damage. Yeah? You see what's wrong with me? I have my own Shadrach story. Watching God get her out of the ICU, get her off the respirator, restore her brain in a moment to where the doctors found no evidence of an hour-long seizure on an EEG. Who's a nurse here? Any nurse? Any medical? No seizure activity 
on an EEG, the seizure was an hour. They gave her two types of medicine to pull her out of the seizure. The seizure limited oxygen to her brain, threw her into a coma and caused damage. Not one trace of brain damage, not one trace of seizure activity on the new EEG. She woke up. She was in the coma for an hour and a half. She woke up. The doctor held me and cried and said, we never saw anything like this. I said, this is what he does. But I didn't go in there mad. I didn't go in there broken. I didn't go in there afraid. I knew deep in my heart, even if I lose her, nothing changes but physical loss. Life's the same, same purpose, same anointing, same destiny. And I'm going to live like I didn't lose her, even though I know I did. Because I love her. But I am not going to let her become Lord. And at the same time, I'm going to love her just like he does. So we all win now. Yay. You get it? So I just came to cheer you on. I'm later than I wanted to be. And I don't know what else to do because I'll keep talking because I'm really revved up right now. (laughs) And I feel like I barely even got started. And I'm done. Listen. (laughs) Listen, listen, listen. Don't think this is just some madman that has some special dibs on some, or, you know, you can't really live that way. That guy's in denial. You know, we, we got feelings. We got emotions. No, 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 stop. We can all live this way. The key is you got to deny yourself. All your emotions you grew up with were attached to self-centeredness. No wonder Jesus said deny yourself. Because if you get rid of yourself, your whole life changes. If you stay in prayer and, and let him teach you what it means to deny yourself, your whole emotional makeup will change in expression. The only reason you're angry is because it's self-centered. The only reason you're jealous is because it's self-centered. The only reason you're discouraged is because you're thinking about yourself. So Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him first deny himself. He didn't say pray a prayer Pray the sinner's prayer so he gets his name in a book called Life. That's how we preach the gospel. He said, no, no. If you're going to follow me and come after me, deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Don't let life decide who you are. Don't let sin against you give the right to produce sin in you. Overcome evil with good. That's carrying your cross. And now you're following me. That's a Christian church. And that's what will make a difference. You shining light in your workplace, in your school, in your relationships. That's what's going to make a difference. You can fill every seat today in Sunday, every seat in America, in every church, and it won't change the world. But if we become love, it has to change. That's where, that's where the rubber meets the road. So this today was a marriage between coming and going. And hopefully we leave challenged, convicted, and a little closer to looking like him than when we even came. Because we got stirred up in love and good work. And see, that's why there's a judgment in that day because every man has to answer what he's going to do with Jesus. And you're going to come up with a language to push it aside, justify it, well, it ain't all that, brother. Or are you going to say, I'm all in? That's what you got to decide. I'm going to pray and I'm going to be done. Father, I just thank you for this morning and I thank you that you gave me the opportunity to come here to Stuart's Draft and just speak into these precious people. What I'm asking is, Lord, that you come by the power of your spirit and you work this truth into every single heart. God, please don't let our hearts escape this truth. Keep convicting, keep speaking, keep stirring and show us the importance and the value of each one's individual life. And those lives synergistically together make up an amazing army of truth. Would you cause us and help us and empower us to walk in the light as you're in the light? And Lord God, I thank you for that grace in Jesus' name. Amen?